DJ and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. This segment brought to you by SNS Roofing, where their huge winter and spring sales event is going on right now. You can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. DJ PK, it is time to welcome in Weber State basketball coach Randy Ray. The Wildcats getting ready for the Big Sky Tournament. Randy, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? We are good. I I was curious if you're really feeling March Madness or if in the bizarreness that is this season, you're on to the next thing. It's labeled March Madness, but everything is its own thing, and it's not really comparable to previous years. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a little different, but, um, you know, it was the weirdest year ever, obviously. Everybody knows that. It was just strange from the get-go, and it was strange all the way through, and but, you know, we've gotten to play some basketball games, so what actually ended up happening compared to what could have happened, you know, where we couldn't, you know, there's a chance we wouldn't, weren't going to have a season, it's all good. It's been good. It really has. But, uh, no, you know, everybody's getting ready for their conference tournaments now, and, and we're getting excited. Everybody's getting excited. So it's, it's a little weirder, stranger, because of all the protocols and all the things that you've got to do to stay safe and to test negative, that's, that part's really weird, so it's a little different, but bottom line is we get to play some more games. So I guess if you define weird as losing five games in the conference that you didn't play, and then one of them minutes before, and then you have a senior day on a day you don't even have a game, if that's your definition of weird, Randy, well, then you got me. <laughs> that was weird, PK. That was weird, yeah. I mean, we ended up losing – you know, it's kind of, I'll be honest with you, our kids have done a good job, and we've been fortunate because we have not had a positive case since August. Right. Um, so we, we were lucky. Um, but, yeah, we lost four home games during conference play. We didn't lose our, uh, you know, we only lost one road game, so we played nine road games, which is two or three more than anybody else in our league. Yeah. We got, we got you know, the last senior day coming up. We're excited. Seniors are excited. And about two hours before the game, I get a call from Coach Smiley at UNC, and I saw his phone number, his name come across the phone. I said, "Well, this is not going to be a good phone call." <laughs> and uh, and it wasn't, and you know, it was protocols we had to, you know, on the Big Sky decided it wasn't safe to play. So, but we did have Senior Day with no fans, pretty much our team and a few family members, and we got to celebrate that. So that was good. So yeah, I guess. It was weird, PK. It was weird. It was different, for sure. So, you know, you try to handicap these conference tournaments and you've seen a limited number of games and you try to figure out the best teams. You try to figure out who's hot. And PK kind of referenced it here. You're 17-5, and five, which in any year, that's a good record. And you're 12-3 and three in league. And you, know, you try to throw out some of the early season stuff. And so you started 3-3. Three and three. And you played a lot of non-conference stuff on the road. I think you only had one or two home games up to that point. Um, right. So then I look, and you're like, well, they were 14-2-4. 14 wins, two losses, and four canceled games uh, after the loss of BYU dropped you to 3-3. Three and three. But it looks like a three-team. I mean, anyone can do it. But you and Eastern Washington and SUU are all jammed up at the top of the league there. You're separated by a half a game or so. And Eastern Washington, you didn't play them, and you split the two games with SUU. So I have no idea what to expect. Can you give us any idea what to expect? 
I don't know if you can ever say you know what's going to happen in a conference tournament any year, to be honest with you, DJ. Um, but I do know, you know, Eastern's got a very good team. I know Southern Utah's got a very good team. You know, uh, we've had a really good season. Uh, but you get into those conference tournaments, and anybody can beat anybody. But um, it looks like those three teams, you know, have separated themselves. But then you got to look at, you know, what what did everybody do in, in conference play? You know, some teams didn't have to play on the road very much, and they played more home games. And so it's a little bit harder to handicap when it, the, the schedule has been so lopsided and so skewed and unbalanced. Maybe it's harder. And we didn't get the chance to play Eastern, and they were supposed to come to our place for two games. So it's hard to know. You know, I don't. You know, I think we got a good basketball team. We've had a really good season. They have too. How do we match up? I don't know exactly. You know, hopefully you get a chance to play them. So I think this year with and, and we're a conference that when games we weren't allowed to make up games. A lot of conferences, they like the Pac-12 and the Mountain West, they canceled games or postponed them, and they got to make most of those up. And we weren't allowed to. So that even made it a little more difficult to kind of say who's what and who's all that. But So it is a little bit harder to say what will happen. I'm wondering, Randy, if the situation this year versus last year, you weren't good last year and you turned it around this year, if it reminds you of uh, last time you went through this, uh, 2014-15, you weren't good, and then you came back in 15 and 16 and you just dominated. you see any similarities there? You know, a little bit, PK. Um, we had to, you know, last year we weren't good. Uh, we had to flip our roster. We brought in nine new guys. And basically we got, you know, our top six guys were all new from last year. And that's been a challenge because we've had to try to get this team on the same page and playing together and buying into team and all that kind of stuff. And that took us some time to do that. But, uh, but, but it is a little bit similar in the fact that uh, we weren't quite as good. And then, you know, we got better the next year and, and I feel that way about this year's team compared to last year's team. We're much, much better than we were last year. And, uh, you know, we just got better players. We got older. We got a lot older. You know, we took nine guys and eight of them were transfers just to become older. Yeah. Um, and there were some anxious times doing that for sure. But, but they worked out and they're really good kids and they bought into our culture and they really bought into playing for each other. You know, everybody told me, hey, if you're going to take transfers – you know, they're going to be selfish. They're playing for themselves. They don't care about team. And a lot of that is true sometimes. But we had these kids that we brought in pretty well vetted. And then when we got them here, you know, we let them know from day one, uh, if you're here to play for your own personal agenda, you might as well leave right now because it ain't going to work. I'm not going to play you. And, and, uh, and the kids really bought into it. But it took us some games to get comfortable playing together in games. In practice, you can – it's not the same – you have to play games to, you know, define who your identity is and get these kids to, to see if we move the ball and play together and, and uh, take myself out of it and just play for your teammates, you know, we got chance to be pretty good. And when they started to see that working in games, then it really clicked. And we did. We got better, and, it, and it's ended up being a good basketball team. 
So you've got, it looks like an eight-man rotation here, and they've all played, you know, at least 18 of the 22 games, and they're all playing at least 15 minutes, right? So of those eight guys, four of them shoot 40% or better from three, and a fifth guy is at 39.7. So you didn't just take transfers, did you? You were looking for a specific skill set, and you wanted three-point shooters. And none of those guys are your leading scorer. Yeah, no, you're right. We uh, when we uh, when we needed to, we flipped the roster last year. We're number one thing we wanted to do was we had to get older. You know, the last couple of years before this, uh, we uh, we we've, we've had some injuries, and the injuries occurred to all of most of our older guys. So it forced our young kids to play more, and they weren't they weren't ready. You know, and so we ended up being younger. And so number one thing we wanted to get older. Uh, and the second thing is we needed to get bigger and stronger. We needed to have better shooting and we needed some length. And we also, uh, needed some guys, just, just more guys that had, that were good basketball, good all around basketball players, guys that had a feel for the game, you know, smart guys that felt the game, skilled guys that could pass, shoot and handle. And, uh, you know, we thought we did that when we recruited him, but you never know until we get him here. And then we got him here, and we and we felt like we we addressed those needs pretty well. And so uh, we we had we had been shooting the ball really well. We are bigger, stronger. We got bigger bodies. We're older. Uh, we've got guys that have a good feel for the game, smarter guys that that figure out the game. Uh, and so we were looking for specific things, obviously, because last year we didn't shoot the ball well and. And we were didn't weren't big enough and strong enough and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I felt like we addressed those needs and it worked out pretty well. So I think you get the winner Montana Idaho, correct? Uh, yes. And you swept Idaho, but Montana you split. Now both those games were on the road with Montana, and that, that's the way it was this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, and it was, it was screwed up here. We already addressed that. Uh, I, and I don't know. I don't know if Montana's going to win or uh, Idaho's going to win. But how do you handicap that potential matchup? I, you know, I, on paper you would look. You know, Montana's probably you know got a good chance to win that game. Yeah. You know, and we played those guys twice up at their place. They beat us the first game, and then we beat them the second game. Um, they got a you know they got a talented team. They're they're a little bit younger than they normally are. Uh, and they've been a little bit inconsistent, but they got a talented team. Idaho has had, you know, a pretty tough season. Um, they had some new guys this year. They didn't win a lot of games. Um, so I guess on paper you think, yeah, it's probably going to be Montana, but you never know in a conference tournament, right? I mean, anything can happen. So we got to just kind of prepare a little bit this week for a little bit of both and then figure out Wednesday who we're going to play. But, uh, you know, both teams – um, you know, we played both teams on the road, um, and we swept Idaho. So, uh, you know, we got a pretty good feel for both teams. We got to play both of them twice. Uh, we kind of know what they're all about and what the matchup looks like and what we got to do to have a chance uh, playing either one. So it's going to be uh, – it's always interesting, you know, when you got a quick turnaround, you find out Wednesday who you're going to play, and then you got to get ready to play Thursday. So, but, we're, you know, with COVID – you know, it does, it just doesn't matter who you're going to play. You're just thankful to be playing. We're thankful that we're having a conference tournament. We're thankful that we, we've we been able to play. We played 16 games in 50 days. 
we played straight through for about eight weeks, and uh, and so we've been we've been at it pretty well, and so I, we've been blessed. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that play a weekend, they cancel a weekend, they, you know, maybe two, and so we've been really fortunate. And knock on wood that it stays that way. We're just excited to go play another game. Randy Ray, Weber State men's basketball coach, joining us. Have they told you what the protocol is? If you get that kind of call, you got you know a couple hours for the Northern Colorado game. Are they going to delay stuff a game? Will there be forfeits? Uh, I mean, it's been dicey in the regular season, but tournaments get even more complicated. Yeah, it sure does. Um, I was told yesterday that there's four teams that went to conference tournaments that when they got there, they tested positive. Uh, Somebody told me that, and what I think is what's going to happen is if, if we if somebody gets over there and they test positive, they're done. They got to leave. You know, they got to get out of there fast. Um, and so they just move on the team that they were going to play, right? So you know, let's say they get over there tomorrow and, and Idaho or Montana test positive. Well, they got to get out and go home, and the next team advances, and they just kind of keep moving up teams that they were supposed to play. And let's knock on wood that that doesn't happen to anybody because that would be pretty hard for anybody to take. But, but I think that's the protocol. And so, and we're testing every day. We've been test start. We started Sunday, and we're going to test every day and game day and everything. Uh, and then once we get to the tournament and the hotels, you know, you pretty much you got to pretty much bubble it up. You know, you're not allowed to go many places. It's going to be hotel room, meeting room, and then the arena. And then there's nothing in between. So that's what they're going to make us do, which is, you know, what we've kind of been doing anyway, to be honest with you. So you've mentioned, Randy, multiple times here in this conversation, gratitude for the opportunity to play, justifiably so. Do you think that's maybe heightened the focus and awareness of the guys? Now you've got a more veteran team here anyway, so you have some maturity. But because of the situation, how much has that increased that uh, focus and concentration and all the things necessary to produce a winning product out on the floor? Well, I do, I do think it's been important. I think it's been important to have, a, like I say, an older team as well, a more mature team. Um, you know, our guys, we, we usually have some guys in the dorms when we move, you know, start school. We moved all of our guys out of the dorms. We put them in an apartment. We try to put them as close together as possible and bubble them up. And then we, you know, we were pretty hard on them about, hey, if you want to play basketball this year, you're going to mask up. You're going to social distance. You're not going to be around people. So these kids have sacrificed their college life to play basketball. And they've given up the social aspect and obviously the aspect of being able to go to class in person. And everything's online. So they have sacrificed a lot. And I think when you have an older group, I think they handle it. They've handled it really well. And they're more mature about it. And, and in some ways, it's really brought our team and probably most teams closer together because that's your family. That's, that's who you're going to be with. You don't, you're not allowed to go hang out with girlfriends and buddies and all this kind of stuff as much. And it's brought teams that allow themselves, if you, you know, your team better like each other. If they don't like each other and respect each other, it's probably going to be a hard year because they're, they're going to spend a lot of time and our team really likes each other and they like being around each other. And I think it's made them even closer so that when you do get on the court, you have more of a bond and, and, uh, and these guys have, have embraced, you know, I told them before every game, Hey, 
let's embrace the opportunity. We get to play a game today. Gosh, dang it, there's a lot of teams that don't get to do that. So let's make the most of it and do it together and go fight for each other. And, and they've done that. And it's been fun to watch. And it's been fun to watch our team as the season's gone on even become even more closer. Randy Ray, Weber State basketball coach, joining us with the Big Sky Tournament coming up. And Southern Utah finished a half game in front of Weber State in Eastern Washington. So there's three teams that have separated. And, you know, only one can win the tournament. Only one can qualify for the NCAA. But things happen so fast. Have they gone over the protocol of what happens to the champion? Normally you'd come home and there'd be a viewing party the next day and you'd celebrate the announcement of where you're playing and who you're playing but with the bubble and the tournament isn't around the country, it's all in Indianapolis. Do you just have to stay in the hotel, wait for the announcement? Do you fly to Indy? How, how does that work? Yeah, we were told that uh, whoever wins the tournament on Sunday, they'll fly right to Indianapolis and get to your hotel room and kind of bubble up, you know. So there's no in-between time. Um, uh, the championship game will be played Saturday the winner gets on a plane and they go right there. And it's just your limited travel party, right? I mean, it's it's not going to be family. Now, your family can get out there, but, it, it, you know, even at the conference tournament, if you have family coming, you don't get to see them, you know, so we're bubbling up. So, yeah, it's it's just going from one thing to the next. So whoever wins it, they just go right on Sunday to Indianapolis and sit in the hotel room and go practice and figure out when you're going to play and who you're going to play and move on. So... Kind of very different, right? <laughs> very different. But, hey, it's, it'd be great. <laughs> Nobody's going to complain. I don't think they will complain. I know we wouldn't complain if we're fortunate enough to, to get to that point. Well, Randy, good luck in the tournament. We'll be tracking it to see how you do, and uh, hopefully it'll work out for you. Thanks for coming on the air for a few minutes. Yeah, thanks a lot. Guys, really appreciate you having me. Thank you. Randy Ray, Weber State men's basketball coach with the Big Sky Tournament looming. Mark Madsen, UVU men's basketball coach, joins us next. The former Laker. He's got UVU in the best shape they've ever been in going into the conference tournament. UVU and Grand Canyon, the co-favorites. We will talk with Mark next. Puka Nakua, new BYU transfer wide receiver, moving from the University of Washington to BYU to join his brother Samson. They went on social media and announced it. Puka will be here at 9 o'clock this morning, and we will talk with him. Mark Madsen is coming up next. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Tim Lacombe. What type of Mike Conley are we going to get now to finish the season after getting his first all-star bid and having kind of the start to the season that he's had? He's a guy who's been undersold a lot in his career. I mean, you look at the numbers, and the numbers are so impressive over his entire career. You know, he's joined the Jazz. You know, he had a difficult time transitioning to a new place and a new system. So, like, I think what we're seeing and what we're going to see in the second half is just more Mike Conley, which to me is toughness, grit, determination, and a whole lot of understanding of who he is. I think he lives for the big moment. I'm telling you, on a national stage when, you know, kind of an uninvited guest and he showed up and darn near stole a three-point contest. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK is brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Mark Madsen, UVU men's basketball coach, is going to join us here momentarily. 
and uh, talk about March Madness. PK, you in the mood for what? championship week, or does it just feel too weird? Everything's weird. Actually, I like it this week, uh, at least at the start of the week, uh, with BYU playing last night and tonight because there's no jazz games. So it fits in well. Sure, it's it doesn't feel any more weird or weirder. It's been weird. <laughs> nonstop weird for months. <laughs> yeah, so what's the difference now? Actually, we're coming up on nonstop weird for a year now, right? DJ PK, it is time to welcome in UVU men's basketball coach Mark Madsen. Coach, good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me back on the show. Thanks for coming back on the show. Couldn't help but notice that this year was different for UVU. It was better. There was more winning going on. You're a little further up in the standings this year. Did it feel that way on the inside? Did it feel different? Did it feel better? I mean, it really did. It really did. I think we we had a little bit more of a chance to put in our system, install our philosophy, but, but really the players did, did a phenomenal job. The, the players bought in. The players worked they put in the extra work in the summer they're putting in the extra work now it felt good to play games that that really mattered we just came back from grand canyon this last weekend and and we were playing games that that had a huge bearing on the seating for the the WAC conference tournament in vegas and they just had a, a huge bearing on on every part of our season and so i'm proud of our players i'm proud of how hard they worked and uh you know we have more work to do so you, once you got that, uh, you got the first one uh, against Grand Canyon, and once you did, I believe you became the only WAC team that has beaten every single team this season in conference. With that in mind, you got to be going to Vegas with a fair amount of confidence, I would think. Our guys are confident. Our guys know that if we play well, if, if we execute, if we do the things that we've been doing all year, we know that we have a chance to win it down there. We have a real legitimate chance to win the whole thing and go to the NCAA tournament. That being said, we have to execute. We have to do those things that have helped make us successful so far during conference. So it really feels like a couple of different seasons, Mark, because it started uh, it started pretty poorly, and you were 2-5, and five and you'd had, I think, four games canceled in there. So you're playing sporadically, and when you do play, you're not winning. And so it could have all gone south, and yet it didn't. From two and five, you know, you you turned it around and went nine and five the rest of the way, nine and four in league. What was going wrong, and what turned it around to make things go right? Well, I think a few things early on. You know, early on we went through I think seven different quarantines. You know, we're showing up to play teams, and and they're at full strength, and you know, we were missing some key guys that were out with some serious COVID cases, and. And really, every team went through that, but it kind of, for some reason, it hit us at the start of the season. Um, and in a way, that, that was a positive because, you know, other guys were asked to do more on the court, and so that, that helped them gain experience. It helped them <clears throat> have success and failure. So that going into conference, you're that much better, and you're that much more able to, to make big plays when the game counts. Most teams, or at least a lot of teams anyway, are hitting the transfer portal hard. I think you guys hit a home run with uh, the, br- the players that you brought in. Just this, this first season, you had some others that were holdovers that were transfers. Uh, can you evaluate how that went for you? Was it better than expected? Well, recruiting is a huge emphasis in, in, in our program. Um, you know, we kind of look at it, we kind of look at our program 
with a few different lenses. Number one, we want to recruit the very best players we can. Evan Cole from Georgia Tech, I mean, he fit the description perfectly. He had had a significant role at Georgia Tech. And, you know, in watching the film, we said to ourselves, he, his game can expand, can continue to expand. And so he got here over the summer, and I think the thing that stood out about Evan was his work ethic. He always wanted to be in the gym shooting. He took care of himself. He got in the weight room. And so he's kind of an example of recruiting a high-level player and then putting a lot of work in on a player development uh, standpoint to, to continue to improve your game. You know, you, you probably don't see the gains on a day-to-day basis, but week-to-week for a player that works, you're going to see major gains. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, recruiting is a huge part of it. We, we want to recruit the best high school players in the state of Utah. We want to recruit the best transfers we can find, and we want to put together a competitive team every year. So one of the guys that uh, you brought in, uh, Fardaz Amak, if I'm pronouncing his name right, averaging 15 rebounds per game, not just leading the country, but leading the country by a couple of rebounds per game. Now, for a guy who's playing with the Lakers and wasn't exactly you know, the star player who had the shots run for him, or, or plays run for him to get the shots, because I guess Shaq and Kobe got a few more shots than you, uh, how much do you appreciate that? How much did you value that? How much did you know you were getting that when you went out to get him? Well, I think right when I took the job, you know, we, we sat down as a staff and we said, who's in the portal and who do we need to bring in? Because we had to bring in some players right away. And so as we, as we studied Fardaz, as we watched his tape, he was averaging about four or five rebounds in 13 minutes a game at Mercer. And so I watched the tape and I said, I, li- I liked everything I saw with Fardaz because I saw the soft hands. You know, I saw the speed, the agility. We brought him on a visit and at one point, uh, somebody threw him a, a lob pass. He caught it with one hand and, and laid it in. And I, I knew right away that, that Fardaz was special. But to lead the nation in rebounding by a huge margin, and, and by the way, some of the numbers that Fardaz is putting up rebounding-wise in terms of rebound percentage, the rate at which he's rebounding, have not been done in decades. Um, but he's done it through his hard work. He, he put the work in. Last year when he had to sit out, um, he was with Coach Phillips, Todd Phillips, who used to be at Salt Lake Community, working on his game almost every day, uh, film sessions. I mean, I mean everything. And, and his, his work has propelled him to the next level, and he's a huge part of the success that UVU has had this year. So you're going to get the uh, winner of uh, Rio Grande Valley, New Mexico State, you swept the Rio Grande Valley, and they had the tragedy with the coach. New Mexico State has been a power uh, around basketball, really, going back before the league, but we know that they've been a very good program. You split two close games with them. How do you handicap what's potentially ahead? Well, you have to prepare for both teams. Yesterday we brought the guys in. We watched a film breakdown on, on New Mexico State. We watched a film breakdown on UTRGV. And so you have to be ready for both. And in terms of uh, the on-court preparation, you, you know, you try to find those areas that apply to both teams. And, and in this case, there's probably two or three things that, that we're really going to focus on today and tomorrow for sure that, that apply equally to, to both possible opponents. And, and then you drill in even more. And, and then you, you kind of get more specific with it and you, 
you know, you, you have to, if you put in the preparation and the hard work early in the week, th- then when you get to that game, you can go out there with confidence because you know that the preparation, the hard work, and the, and the due diligence is all done. And now you have to go out there and execute. So there have been a lot of things that have changed this year. Uh, we've seen some leagues still play home and home, but a lot of leagues have gone to play in two games trip, cut down the travel and all that. Uh, obviously, recruiting has changed. There have been, probably been other changes along the way, more online classes. How much of this stuff is just kind of one-off for the pandemic and it'll go back to quote-unquote normal? And how much of this do you think is altering college basketball and is going to be the new way of doing things? Uh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I'm sure, you know, around the country, a lot of budgets are down. A lot of athletic department budgets are down. And so the, the cost savings of playing a back-to-back are huge. Because you cut down on travel, you, have to, you, you, you don't have to switch hotels, fewer flights. But it, it does take a toll on the players. Um, you know, every coach wants to win. <laughs> and in back-to-backs in the NBA – you know, you have, you have a whole staff that's dedicated to the physiological performance and the load management is the buzzword in the NBA front office, load management. It, you know, in college, we don't have the load management experts. And so, you know, shoot, we played our top six or seven guys at times 25 to 35 minutes on back-to-back nights. That's hard to do. That, that, that's really, really hard to do, especially in college basketball, where in college basketball, every minute is, is played with the utmost intensity. Sometimes in the NBA, early in the game, the guys might be coasting a little bit just because there's so many games. But uh, I think it's about the well-being of the players um, on, the, on the scheduling standpoint. And then from the recruiting point of view, we still can't go out physically to recruit players. And now it's been pushed back till May 31st. And so that's been a challenge. And I think all of us are excited to get that window back open and get out there and and be sitting down with these recruits face-to-face. I want to ask you a question as far as the psychological aspect of working the referees. And I wanted to relate it to what the Jazz went through last week. You know, they felt like they got jobbed against Philadelphia and Gobert and Mitchell come out with very, very strong post-game comments. They both get fined twenty and $25,000. You know, you played so many years in the NBA. Now you're a coach. Do you see benefit in what those players did, even with the fines that maybe could send the message, uh, we want more of a fair shake? (laughs) I think that's the age-old question for for a coach, for a player, because sometimes you want to get your point across. I'll never forget, I was playing for the Timberwolves, and we were up 30 points at, at Dallas. And the Dallas coach, who was Rick Carlisle at the time, he was so upset, he got thrown out. And and uh, I remember talking to one of the refs, and the ref said, yeah, w- we made a few mistakes. Well, the calls shifted to Dallas, and they ended up winning that game. Really? You know, and we had been up 30 in the second quarter. But on the flip side, referees are humans too. And the people in Secaucus, the, the, the referee supervisors, they're human too. And you know, I'll never forget another time on the court when in minute I was playing for the Timberwolves again, and some of the players, some of our players, we're jawing at the refs. And, uh, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden the refs started jawing back at the players, which you never see. 
you, 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 in those days, you never saw the refs jawing back at the players. And then all of a sudden, we started getting a bunch of horrible basketball calls. We, we started getting a bunch of really bad calls. And in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, guys, refs are human too. If you go at the refs too much, sometimes it, it can get a little bit personal, and sometimes they might go back at you. You know, what we like to think of referees as being perfectly neutral, just like we think that, you know, print journalists and, and, and radio journalists are completely neutral, but everyone has a human side, yeah. you, you know, and so I don't have a good answer for it. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, you tell those stories and it reminds me of Rudy Gobert going off a couple of years ago on the referees after a call went against him at the end of a game in Miami. And in the next game with a different set of referees in a different city, he got called for a foul on the jump ball and got kicked out three minutes into the game. Now, you have played and coached a lot of basketball. Have you ever seen a foul on the opening tip? I've, I've actually never seen that. Yeah, Rudy has. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough way to go out. That's a tough way to go out early in the game like that. Oh, man. Are you surprised with the just the advent of number of threes that teams take now? I mean, just from the time that you played, which is not that long ago, the, the, the radical differences that we've seen. Well, you know, I, I've seen, I haven't been able to follow the NBA as much as I want to because, uh, yeah. you know, we're busy. But I, but I have seen the headlines of the quantity and the accuracy of threes that the Utah Jazz are hitting. Uh, it's, it's record setting. And, and in my mind, you know, I'm thinking to myself, how are the Warriors, how, how did the Warriors not set these records two and three years ago with the team that they had? But it's, it's, it's a compliment to the Jazz organization to realize that this is the way the game is going. Now, the interesting thing is, in college, we're not, it, it, it has hit the college game and it hasn't. You know, we, put, we basically played Grand Canyon this last weekend for the conference championship in terms of the regular season. And, uh, you know, we ended up tied. But they start two seven-footers. We start two 6'11 guys. You know, more traditional, a little bit more traditional to start two big guys. In the NBA, almost no one does that. And yet, you know, it's some college teams are doing that and having success. I think the shooters in the NBA are obviously the best in the world. And so it allows that the analytics philosophy to play itself out a little bit more. If you have seven guys on a roster that are shooting close or over 40%, well, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. I wonder how quickly this is going to swamp you, though, because you are subject to the talent that's available. And PK and I have had some people on who are either ex-coaches or um, – you know, parents coaching, and they're telling, or in case of Steve Cleveland, grandparents, uh, and they're saying that, like, if you watch 12- and 13-year-olds play, and I don't think you're scouting 12- and 13-year-olds, but he said, like, they don't, those kids aren't getting into the analytics where Quinn Snyder is saying eliminate the long two because here's your percentage and here's how many points you're going to score off 10 possessions and look what you do at the lay, look what you do at the rim, look what you do at the line, and look what you do at the three-pointer. If you want to score a lot of points, so shoot from there. But these 12- and 13-year-olds, like, they understand it, and they want to shoot off the dribble because they see Steph Curry do it. And so it's like the game is just evolving, and, and Steve has told us it's like at lightning speed. And part of it is planned and organized and taught, but part of it is kids imitating what they see. So, 
you may not be starting two seven-footers for long. I mean, if you get the talent, then you play it, and there's always something to be said for going against the grain and playing a different style. That can be hard for opponents. But at the same time, you're subject to the talent that's available. Well, and that's, and that's one of the big things that we talk about. If, if, if we could go out and recruit and have on this team six guys that shot 42% from three, that our style would be different. Mm-hmm. But going back to the Utah Jazz, they've almost done it perfectly on both sides of the ball. Okay, now, they still have to win it. I mean, you look at the Houston Rockets from four years ago where they were a three-point shooting machine. They missed, and you guys can correct me, I think they missed either 17 or 27 straight three-point shots against the Warriors. You guys remember that game? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it was terrible. It, 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 <laughs> it just yeah, unraveled. So that's, that's the discussion that every NBA staff and every college staff, this is talked about because the analytics department will go down to an NBA coaching office and say shoot more threes and and so a lot of times it works but then sometimes in the playoffs sometimes it still works but sometimes it doesn't because sometimes you have to get to the rim to get to the free throw line as great a shot as the three-point shot is analytically if you're a 70 percent free throw shooter which is okay even if you're a 65 percent free throw shooter from an analytic standpoint that's almost equivalent to, to, you know, and you can go through the math of a 40, 43% yep. three-point yeah. shooter. And so if you're, if you're shooting all the threes at the detriment of getting to the free-throw line, that's a problem. And you're right, it was 27 straight missed threes for the Warriors in, or for the Rockets in Game 7 to take down the Warriors. Yeah. They got right there and couldn't do it. All right, well, Mark, hopefully you will get the right there and you will pull it off. We'll be watching the WAC tournament uh, to see how it works. You don't, you don't play until Friday because uh, you got to buy. It's a six-team tournament, and you'll be in the semis on Friday. Good luck with that, Mark, and thanks for coming on the air with us for a few minutes. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on it. And tell Randy Ray I said hello. He's done a great job up at Weber State. He's done a fantastic yep. job up there. Appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. Take care. See you. Bye. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. There is a lot of college basketball with the conference tournaments getting going. College football with Puka Nakua, new BYU transfer wide receiver, moving from the University of Washington to BYU. We will talk with the former Orem Tiger coming up in about 15 minutes right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Our good friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Lay out some expectations for this Jazz team in the second half of the season. I don't see any reason to believe what they did in the first half isn't sustainable. Like everybody else, I'm going to be watching those marquee games, a Laker game at full strength, a Clippers game at full strength, to see how the Jazz measure up. But you know, there's nothing that feels like an aberration there. I have the same expectations in the second half of the Jazz that we saw in the first. I don't expect any kind of crash to earth in the way they're playing. They're a well-constructed, well-coached team with the right kind of players to finish game. I think this Utah team is in a great position to get into the playoffs as the number one, number two seed. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought you in part by The Warehouse. Join the Big Show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6 p.m. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Boom! Well, we've spent the 8 o'clock hour on college basketball. It's March Madness. It's uh, championship week with all the conference tournaments uh, going on. Uh, BYU's playing Gonzaga in their conference tournament final tonight. Other schools, the Utes are starting Wednesday. Randy Ray and the Wildcats, we had Randy Ray on, Weber State coach. They're starting Thursday. We just had Mark Matson on, UVU coach. Uh, they open up Friday because they got to buy into their semifinals. And, you know, it's uh, so 
certainly a weird year. In college basketball, it hasn't been as uh, it hasn't had the pull in the community that it certainly had, you know, 20 years ago. Things change over time, and football's a bigger deal, and it's always a big deal. You know, when the Jazz are big, they command so much attention, and clearly the Jazz have it going right now. Uh, but PK, we've got five teams in the state that are seeded number three or better. When you're a top three seed in your conference tournament, you're saying there's a chance. And they got a, a one seed in Southern Utah, three two seeds in Utah State and in UVU and in uh, BYU, and then a three seed in Utah State. So you got five teams that have a pretty good chance here. Um, but it's football. It's football, and it's football. And we did talk a lot of football in the 7 o'clock hour. And you said something. Um, we were The question of the day is up on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. The Nakuas are coming. The Nakuas are coming. We're going to talk with Puka Nakua in the next segment. New transfer. Wide receiver from uh, former Orem Tiger who went to Washington. He's up there for two years. He's going to BYU. His brother Samson is leaving Utah as a grad transfer to go to BYU as well. And it was... It was you know there's a lot of stuff about yeah they're coming because BYU had a great year but they had a great year because of the schedule and you said well you can put a lot of stuff on the schedule and you pointed out but Zach Wilson it you know we were talking when he, when we were reading mock drafts saying the NFL thinks he's a top ten and we got a lot of pushback from fans like there is no way he's a top ten well then he became a top five and I'm every mock draft I see now has him at number two uh, people think the Jets have locked in on him. And The Athletic has a story this morning, PK. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you're going to love this. Um, and it's written by uh, Bruce Feldman, who's written for multiple websites over time. He's written, in, uh, he's written about football for just years and years. And obviously he knows a lot of coaches and GMs and get quotes from And he's got this quote, one opposing coach. And they always quote these people anonymously because you, you can't tamper and you can't talk about guys yet and all that stuff. One opposing coach said, quote, Zach Wilson reminds me a lot of Mahomes. Russell Wilson and some of Patrick Mahomes and his ability to throw from all angles. And see, that's what you were saying. Like, that doesn't go to strength of schedule. You know, if you're throwing on the move accurately, you can throw on the move accurately. I mean, if you bounce at a guy's feet, it doesn't matter who the opponent is, right? If you hit him in the numbers, you can hit him in the numbers regardless of who the opponent is. And it's throwing from all the arm angles and when you're scrambling and the pocket's breaking down. And they value that stuff big time. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that Zach Wilson is going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. (laughs) Okay, you do too. But thanks for that. (laughs) I think you think there's a lot of doubt about that. It seems like if you just stick to the number one and number two draft picks and you go back and give it a good sample size, you know, go back 20, 25 years. Seems like it's about 50-50 that you're a good starting quarterback. and I mean, you'll start some games because, you know, you're a high pick. You're going to get your chance. Uh, but as far as a good starting pick who has a good run of games, uh, it seems about 50-50. So Hall of Fame is a slam dunk? Thanks, PK. <laughs> I think Zach Wilson, man, the roof is the ceiling. Nice. The ceiling. Keep him coming. You're on fire. <laughs> Way to go, MJ. <laughs> I think he that quote really will age good. well. That'll be a good it quote will. in 10 years. It will. Yeah. I mean, I've known guys who've known him for years, and they told me, and so far they're right. Now, they didn't tell me he'd be a great NFL quarterback, but they told me the kid's got it. And guys that I trust, guys that I know and I've known for a number of years now, <clears throat> have told me about it. Guys who don't tell me stuff unless they really, really believe it. 
and uh, whom, whom I consider offensive experts, really. So I'm not really surprised what he did at BYU. In fact, I'm not surprised at all based on what they told me. And I'm a believer in this kid, and I have been a believer for a number of years. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And we don't know. Got to make sure we say that I say that. I don't know. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's a very, very good NFL quarterback. Okay. And we can all say that, but we're on the radio and we get to say a lot of stuff. And you love this when you're talking about, I picked that game. Like, show me the ticket. I grew up in Jersey with people who gamble. If you didn't put money on it, you don't have a ticket. Eh, great. You picked a game. Great. Good for you. Now, right. if you have the ticket, exactly. and it's the same thing with radio. Like, we can say a lot of stuff, but an NFL GM, I mean, you botch a high draft pick and a quarterback, that sets you back three or four years, and GMs can be out after five. It's not like every oh, yeah, GM yeah, yeah. who blows a high pick on a quarterback gets fired, but a fair number of them do, and you don't know for sure how it's going to play out when you make a pick. You know, If you're somewhere and you're established and you've won a lot, uh, well, good for you. You can survive it. You know, But <laughs> nobody wins a lot with the Jets. The Jets are going through. Who's the Jets GM right now? I can't tell you off the top of my head. I'd have to look at Who is it? Have you seen a quote? Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas. Uh, we be- Weeb Eubank. Eubank, thank you. Thank you very much. Just won one Super Bowl <laughs> 50 years ago, 50-plus years ago, and Weeb Eubank was their coach, people, for those of you who don't know. That hey, was I was at school. the parade, man. You, I lived back there. <laughs> you were at the parade. I've never heard that story. You're making that up. Did they even have a parade? True. All I right. don't know. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk with Puka Nakua next. More football on the way. Why is he transferring? What are his expectations? Why did he leave in the first place? Puka Nakua on the way. Stay with us.